We're going to continue to press on in the series that we're doing called Be the Church. And uh, this is a, a, such an important series, I believe, for us to understand and to really get a hold of because it impacts so many things. And so what we've really been talking about, and, and I'm kind of going back over all the time, is that the church, when you read about the church in the Bible, it's always about people. Either the believers from the time of Christ till now, or a group of believers in a specific place, but it's always people. And why that makes a difference is, is because you're the church. We're the church. Right now, we're the church gathered corporately together. But when you leave the facility here in a little while, you'll still be the church. You'll just be the church on mission. And so the church is who you are, not something that you do. And we sort of have compartmentalized the church into being something that we do every now and again. But the reality is, as a believer in Christ, you're the church 24-7. That's who you are. And it's significant that we get a hold of that because it makes a big difference on how we live. Because the church is about people, it's also about relationships. And it's about a relationship with God. It's about a relationship with the people of God and our relationship with the future people of God. And, and we're going to talk about these relationships in the context of discipleship, fellowship, worship, and mission. And so we've been talking about, uh, so far, uh, about what it means to be a disciple. And, and we looked at the Gospel of John, and John said to be a disciple, we need to hold on to Jesus' teaching, we need to love one another, and we need to remain in Him bearing much fruit. We looked at the Gospel of Luke, and Luke said that we need to love Him all in Jesus, that it's not all about us, it's some about us, but not all about us, but it is all about Jesus. And then last week, we talked about fishermen, and, and how they were, lots of the disciples were fishermen, the early disciples, and how that impacts us is that we need to know that we can trust Him, and that we can cast all our anxiety on Him, because we trust Him, and there was a, a whole picture of that happening, and all these are ideas about being a disciple. And we're going to talk some more about being a disciple today. And, and we're going to do that in the context of a yoke and a towel. And so that's where we're heading in just a moment. So uh, that's the intro. Transition, I always do a bad joke or two. These are quite bad. So, uh, this last Christmas, somebody, a uh, good friend, brought me a calendar uh, that sits on my desk. And every day it has a bad joke on it. And these are very, very bad. And I just thought, and this is how I start my day. I go and I sit down and I... I look, and, and so, and these are, these actually made the cut, but you can, you're going to tell them it's a, it's a pretty low bar. So, Wednesday, I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey, but then I turned myself around. Friday, why did the stadium get hot after the game? All the fans left. I know, bad. This was the weekend. Working in a mirror factory is something I can totally see myself doing. <laughs> when I told it last night, I didn't pronunciate very well uh, mirror, I guess. And some people in the back heard me say, working in a beer factory is something I can totally <laughs> see myself doing. And then they were really concerned for me, I guess. I don't know. It's a different mirror, beer Oh, yeah. Okay, good. So, scripture reading here on purpose. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. You've heard me do this a couple times in this series, but this is one of those really important passages for us to get. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So let's hop right in. I want to look at that. And the first point in your notes is this, that Jesus says, come and take my yoke. Come and take my yoke. The beginning of that passage again was this, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So what's happening as we start to put all this together is that uh, we looked at John, we looked at Luke, and, and we sort of understand what the cost is of being a disciple. They, they've laid it out. They, they told us to, to really you know, count the cost of what it looked like. And having counted that cost then, we're now invited to partner with Jesus uh, to be a part of his team. And, and it's, an, it's such an amazing invitation, what's going on. And, and you know, I, I keep going back to this picture of, uh, and I tell you this you know, pretty much every week, that this is his story, and he's inviting us into his story. And he's the noun of the story, and we're the adjectives of his story. And so our lives describe who he is. And, and the struggle that we have is we often try and make ourselves the center of the story, but there's no life there. But when we realize that he's inviting us his, into his story, it changes everything. And so he's, he's inviting us in to, to come and to, to take and to be a part in this ministry with him. Uh, it, it further means that um, to, to take that yoke is that we, we have to start making sure that we're surrendering our will to his, that we're asking for his will in our lives. That, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think I talked about uh, the throne of our hearts and who's sitting on the throne of our hearts. And, and it needs to be him. And yet we have a tendency to put ourselves there. And so every day we need to be aware of that. And we need to ask Jesus to be on the throne of our heart. We're surrendering our will to his and we're learning, you know, this whole life through him. And, and that's where we find life. That's where we, our souls will finally rest. And then he says that we're to learn from him. That's point number two. We're to learn from Jesus. Verse 29, again. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, This idea of being yoked to him. Now, the, the yoke, it's not a word that we use all the time. People might you know, say, what's a yoke? A yoke is, is, uh, was the implement that used to ha- hook two oxen together. It was sort of the big wooden piece that went across their shoulders and hooked them together. And um, what they could do is that uh, two oxen hooked together, that way could do and accomplish a lot more than a single oxen. And they would often pair them a, a, a more a mature ox, if you would, with a younger one so that the one who knew the ropes could teach the other one how to do it and could teach him how to pull and how to lift and how to do things and what the pace was and all this happenance. And so this is what you know, we're to learn with Jesus. He, he wants us to walk with him uh, and so that we can learn from him you know, how to pull and how to lift and how to have a healthy pace of life. I know I've told you this, but it's worth repeating. I've read through the Gospels a lot. I never see Jesus in a hurry. And it's significant. He was busy and he accomplished a lot, but he was never in a hurry. And a few weeks ago I said, we have this tendency to live hurried lives because of our culture and what's going on. And that, that unfortunately, that hurried state is really a condition of the soul. It's, It's not a place of rest. 
And what Jesus wants for us is to, to learn sort of a healthy pace of life from Him, to, to know the amazing power that we have available um, by Him through the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's, there's no greater joy or blessing in this life than being yoked to Jesus. His, his burden is light. And, and um, you know, He says He's gentle and humble as we learn from Him. I love that picture. And I, I think sometimes people have this idea of God as being sort of mean or vindictive or harsh or ready always to get them. And yet Jesus says, you know, come to me, live with me, because I'm gentle and humble. And, and that's where we find life. Beyond that, that's where we find rest for our souls. And see, that, that's so critical that we get that as disciples. And we're, we're about to, uh, as we talk about the next point and where we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead, uh, about you know fellowship and relationships, we we have to sort of get to this place of rest before we can really move into that, and we have to know who we are in the process. But remember the idea of rest. I keep introducing it to you, along with the Ten Commandments throughout this series, uh, and because people look at the Ten Commandments in the wrong way, I want you to know that the Ten Commandments were given to people who had already been delivered and rescued. They, they, they were given to the people of Israel that God had already delivered supernaturally into a new life. And, and so um, he's already set them free. Sometimes people think that those Ten Commandments were how, how we're supposed to get free. But we, we get free in Jesus. He sets us free. He's our exodus. And then God speaks ten times. The, the, we call them the Ten Commandments. It's actually the ten words in the original language. And ten is important because... God spoke into creation ten times, if you go and read Genesis, and ordered creation. Now he's speaking ten times into community. He's speaking into what this life should look like with people. And those first three uh, of the ten are about how we're to love God. And the last six, when you look at them, how we're to love others. And number four is critical. It's the bridge between the first three and the last six. And it's about rest. And, and I believe that when Jesus was saying, you know, we're, we're to love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength, we're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, the first three are Him, the last six are others, that number four is about us. That, that we can't love God well if we're not at rest, and we certainly can't love others well if we're not at rest. If we haven't come to that place where we're settled in Him and we're finding life in Him and we're walking with Him and, and we understand who He is and what He's done and, and that it's not all on us and it's not in our own strength and, and regardless of things that are happening around us, we can be a people that are at rest and at peace because that's when we make a difference in the world around us. If we're just like everybody else and all caught up in this hurriedness and this, this mess and the anxiety and the worry, we can't make a difference in the kingdom. And so He wants us to be at rest. That's where we find Life, And so he's, he's teaching us. We read the Gospels and we can see how Jesus lived. And, and I encourage you to keep doing that because he, he often does things we don't expect. And he, he, he models a life for us that we might not understand is what this life is. But it is our, our God who loves us and who's, who's just gentle and humble in heart, loving us well. So we're, to, we're, to, we're invited in to take this yoke. And we're to take the yoke and, and, and we're to begin to learn from him. That's all part of this process. And then thirdly, it's to become a servant. The, sort of the reality of the goal of a disciple is that, that we're to be a servant. And that's what we're heading towards. We're to have servants' hearts. And Jesus demonstrates this idea of being a servant for us throughout his entire ministry. But we're going we're gonna to move into a passage in John 13 together. And um, this is a passage that takes place during the Last Supper. 
so, so that you have the context of what's going on. And let me begin to read this to you. And I, I've got a couple of points I'm going to make as we read. John 13, beginning in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Your translation might say he was about to show them the full extent of his love, which is actually a little better translation. He's, he's going to show them what love looks like and how amazing the love of God really is. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to, to God. Um, Jesus absolutely knew who he was. He was very settled in his identity. And we have to be aware of who we are to, in, in order to be able to really be servants. And so you, you have to be sure you're in that place where you understand the amazing grace of God. That, that we are his children. If we've come to Christ, we're his children. And that the way that we relate to him now is based on what Jesus has done for us. Always come, when, when we come to know Jesus, when we ask him to be Lord and Savior, we're justified. Remember that word? Justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. And so God chooses to see us in the perfection of his son. That's your standing in, in the kingdom. It, you need to know that that's how God's seeing you. And... and we tend to want to stand in our mess and God's certainly aware of our mess but we have the Holy Spirit who's in us who's dealing with that mess that's sanctification he's working on that until we're glorified when it's all done but our standing right now is justified and that's significant because if you're not settling in who you are and how you got there by the amazing work of Jesus you won't be able to relate the way that you need to you won't be able to serve when you need to serve because you'll be struggling like we're going to find out the disciples were about who is the greatest. So Jesus absolutely knows who he is. So he gets up from the meal. He takes off his outer clothing and he wraps a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, not be clean. Then verse Lord 9, then uh, Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Yet you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Significant point too. One of my friends shared this with me and, and this week, and it makes a huge difference. When you read this story, Jesus is going to wash the feet of his disciples, including Judas, who he already knew was going to sell him out. He already knew he was going to betray him. And there's something pictured in the love of God there that you need to see that goes beyond sort of the stuff on the top. It's like it's, it's not so difficult to serve people that we are pretty fond of, but it's a whole other thing when they're the people that... that so we need to take that in. What happens? When he had finished, verse 12, washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So he's, he's showing his disciples that life is found in having this servant's heart. You'll be blessed. When you get this, when you, when you make this transition, that's where blessing comes from. That's where we really begin to enter into this rest and the full and abundant life that Jesus has for us. And he's demonstrating what's taking place. And yet we know from the scripture that the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. But Jesus is always about, no, it's about serving. He said in Mark 10:45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the picture of what being a servant looks like. But, but we read in the other gospel stories that at the Last Supper, think Last Supper, last time in Jesus' earthly, earthly ministry where he gets to spend time with his disciples in this kind of arrangement where they're having fellowship and they're busy arguing about who's the greatest. And if you want to look in Luke twenty-two twenty-four, it says that, that a dispute arose among them about who was the greatest. Now, a couple of things I want you to get is, is a picture of the, of the Last Supper and what's going on. First is this, we have, when we talk about the Last Supper, almost always you, you go to think about the picture by Da Vinci where everybody's on one side of the table. And you know the joke that Jesus said, hey, if you want to get in the picture, get on this side of the table. And, uh, <laughs> but, but that's not how they ate. So they, they ate, they, they didn't eat on tables like that. They would eat on the floor. And, and they, the, the meal would be set out on the floor and they would recline. Uh, on a floor. If there was a table, it was on the floor itself. And the way that they would recline around a table was that they, so they would, they would get down on, on usually the left elbow and watch um, the microphone when I do it, but on the left elbow and then they would be sort of stretched out. They would be climbed and their feet would go out and they would be this way all the way around the table. Um, that's helpful when you see it because at some point it says that John leans back against Jesus' chest. Well, John probably was right here on his elbow and so it was very easy for him to lean back. On Jesus. So many people wonder, well, how did Jesus give the bread to Judas and nobody knew? Pretty confident Judas was right on the other side, and so the guys wouldn't have seen it, particularly if they're having an argument about who's the greatest. So they're all this way, and as part of the meal, their feet would need to be washed. This had to happen. And, and, and so the, the servant, and it was usually the least of the servants, would wash people's feet around the table. And in the room, there was already the towel in the basin, it was already in the room. The argument they're having is, who's the least of us because somebody needs to get busy on the foot washing? Who gets up from the reclining position? Jesus, Lord, Jesus gets up and he takes off his outer garment and he wraps the towel around him and then he proceeds to wash all of his disciples' feet as he goes around all of them get their feet washed. And that's what Peter, when Peter says, no, Lord, you, I don't want you to do that. He's really saying not only that he doesn't want Jesus to do it, but you're really messing up the whole point of this. One of these other guys needs to be doing this. We're trying to figure out who's what here. And, and Jesus says, you're missing the point entirely. See, this is what it's all about. You need to be willing to serve. And there's, a, there's even a bigger picture going on in this whole process. Because, you know, you read about the, the, the account in John, right? And, and Jesus is there and Jesus stands up and he takes off his outer garment. And he wraps a towel around him and he washes their feet. And then he puts his garment back on and he gets back into his place. It's a bigger picture of the whole part of his story. Because his story is this, that there was a time when he stood up at the throne of glory. And he took off his outer garment of deity. And he wrapped himself in the flesh of our humanity. And he came and he lived among us. And then on the cross, 
He shed His blood so that we could be washed once and for all of our sins and cleansed. And then He defeated death. And at the resurrection, He returned to His place where He makes intercession for us. This whole picture of what was going on is just part of the bigger picture. When we get that, what that means to us, what's supposed to happen to us is that we're the people as disciples who are just willing to pick up the towel wherever it is, whatever it looks like. And we see it. You'll see it throughout the course of your life. Are you ready to pick up the towel? Are you ready to serve instead of waiting to see who else will do it? See, because that's where life is. This whole idea of serving is about where life is. I had this neat experience this week. My, my grandson, who's nine now, uh, he asked me, he said, hey, I want to help out at the church. And I said, okay, that's great, but you're going to be just like you know your, your, your aunts and uncles before you and your parents when you come. We start sort of at the bottom. And uh, so he came in this week and he helped me back in the kitchen. And he helped me learn how to, he's learning how to cook. And he's cleaning dishes and he's taking up those things. But see, there's a willingness to, to serve in the process. And I, I want people to know that because that's where life is. And so my encouragement to you is look for the towel in every situation. Pick it up. Because that's where you're going to be blessed. That's, that's where you're going to find Jesus. See, that's right what he's doing. And that's what he wants from us. And it's so important that we get to that spot in order to move into this next spot about relationship with people and how important that is. So I want you to consider that this week and really kind of take that in. And think about that big story and what it means and where life is found. I think you'll be really encouraged and then we'll be in a good spot as we head in towards the next part of this series. So let's end it there. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall. The people on the way over that wall, they're here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, they're going to make sure that you get it. And... uh, We'll pray for healing, relationships, finances, situations, whatever you got going on in your life. We, we want to make sure that there's time for you to be prayed for today. So um, let's pray as a group, and then we'll dismiss, and we'll have breakfast, and we'll go from there. So, Papa, we are so, so grateful for who you are in our lives. And... Um, I pray, God, that that each of us would just settle in who we are in you so that we're always ready to pick up the towel when we see it, God. And that we can live as disciples, as servants. We can live at a place of rest and peace, loving you and loving others, making a difference in the world around us for you. And, And I pray, God, that you would just settle that in each one of our hearts. what it means to have life in you and how amazing you are. We've we've been praying together as a a team and as leaders and we've really been seeking the Lord and and asking Him to just, you know, help us in these times and really make sure that people are getting the prayer that they need. And We we wanted to pray today. um, If if you're stuck, I had this thought that there's some people that are just stuck and I think it has to do um, perhaps with an addiction and you're just stuck and, and uh, you, you get a couple of days and then you fall back and you get a couple of days I think God really wants to set you free from that and I encourage you to go uh, here in a little moment and ask someone to pray for you to be free that you're, that you're just stuck and um, 
there was a couple people that just really gave my heart about being very anxious. And, and, uh, and so if you've been dealing with anxiety, I, I want you to go for that. And um, there, there's someone here, and um, during the song Breakthrough today, that the, the first song, there's, it talks about breakthrough. And there's somebody here really struggling with depression. And, and yet that song sparked hope in you. Uh, and actually, uh, the, the, it felt like it was for Nancy, uh, if, if you were here, that, that they're dealing with that depression. And that during that song, it sparked hope in you and, and that you, you need to follow through with that. And, and I also felt like God wanted someone here, named, if your name was Randy, that he wanted to know that he knows that you're here. And that would mean something to you and that you need to sort of take that in. So if, if you need prayer for that or for anything else, I want to encourage you to go. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that today too. It's humility and faith. In, in humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken. Like all the rest of us, you've sinned. Asking God to forgive you, which you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. Best decision that you will ever make. And, and if you need help, just go and ask somebody and say, I want to know Jesus. So if you need prayer for any of those things today, I want to encourage you to go. Sometimes we just need somebody with us to stand with us and to encourage us and to speak God's blessing over us. And so make sure that you do that today. If you're going to stay in our breakfast, we thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God, so they can hear about your amazing love for them as well. Praise God from whom all bless. you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace and go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We're going to see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayers over there. Breakfast will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.